Welcome to Resource on the Go, a podcast from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center on understanding, responding to, and preventing sexual abuse and assault. I'm Jennifer Grove, Prevention Director at NSVRC. On today's episode, I'm talking about community-level prevention with Mo Lewis, NSVRC's Prevention Specialist. everyone. We're so glad you joined us today. This is Jennifer Grove. I'm the Prevention Director for the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And I'm Mo Lewis. I'm the Prevention Specialist. And today we're going to talk about community-level prevention. So all about that, what it, what it means, what it's all about. There's a lot to talk about. I'm glad we're having this conversation, Mo. Um, What we want to do in this podcast is provide some information to help set the stage for the many conversations we are planning to have um, through this podcast series about community-level prevention. Yeah, so before we jump into it, can we just say a little bit about why we're doing this in a podcast? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think a podcast is a great format for something like this because community level prevention is a pretty new concept for some people. And it can be challenging to think about. And it's nice to be able to to just chat about it, talk about it a little bit and um, not just give people something to read. Yeah, that's a good point. It's something that I know we have a lot of conversations just on our own team about this. So it's kind of like, why not let other people listen into our conversation, too? I love it. So, okay, this is the big question. What is community level prevention? We know that the term community level prevention has a pretty deep meaning, right? So the definition that we typically give is that community level prevention impacts the entire community, regardless of whether or not everybody is part of the prevention group or the prevention efforts. And it also targets characteristics of a community. So say that someone is um, a prevention educator and they are doing a weekly program working with a group of students in a school setting. That prevention program by itself wouldn't necessarily be community level, um, even though you could say that a group of teens could be considered a community. Um, But if this same group of teens uh, identifies problematic policies like their school dress code discriminates based on gender and race and if they work together with the prevention educator and maybe parents and staff and teachers to really change that school's dress code policies we would consider that community level prevention because that really impacts the entire school community all the students are going to benefit from that improved dress code, even if they didn't even know that the prevention group existed. Yeah, I really like that policy level example and that sort of broader, yeah, broader example of how an entire community in that school can be impacted by these better policies that they're creating. So thinking about um, the environment as well, so there there might be a lot of hotspot mapping happening. Um, thinking about hotspot mapping as like looking at safer places versus um, spaces that might feel a little creepy or unsafe, like in a school or a community center. Um, and that looks at working with the community to change those aspects to make the spaces feel better for everyone. So there's work being done around preventing crime through environmental design which is both an interesting and controversial approach. Um, And we're going to dive into that more in another episode. 
Yeah. So why do you think, Jen, that community level prevention or the concept of community level prevention is so hard for people to get? I think it's because we use the word community so much. We say things like community-based, community-specific. What even is a community? That's a question that I have. You know, what counts as a community? Yeah, we should talk about all of this. I know that we have some um, definitions and examples that we use, but yeah, sometimes we say the word community so much that it stops having any meaning in my ears. I just say it and it sounds like uh, gibberish a little bit. So when we talk about community-based, that really means what it says. It's based within a community. It means that Um, Community members are shaping the work, they're leading the work, they're evaluating it, they're really owning that prevention work that's happening. It's it's really based in the community. Um, When we say community specific, what we tend to mean by that is that it's really specific to the needs of the community, their interests, their strengths. It's specific to cultural norms that exist in the community, uh, specific experiences. And these are things that I mean, they usually go together. Usually a good prevention program is community-based and community-specific, um, but sometimes not. We do we do like to talk to people about the importance of prevention work being based in a community and really specific to the community because um, you can't necessarily just take a curriculum or an idea from one community and put it into another, right? It doesn't, it doesn't usually work that way. There is a program that I like to talk about as an example of a prevention program that's both community-based and community-specific, and it's called Athletes as Leaders, and it was actually created in a large urban area high school. It's in the Seattle area, really big high school, and um, they're doing coaching boys into men for part of their prevention work and realized that they did not have a similar program for athletes in girls sports teams. And so the prevention educator there worked with the community, worked with the athletes and the students to create a new program that is really based in the community's needs and in their um, interests. And that really gets at some of those core values that that they wanted to like work on and change within their community. Uh, the students who are part of the sports teams are leaders of this. They really take ownership. They help running the program, evaluating the program. They helped create it and make adaptations to it. And it's also really specific to the community. And the community in this case is athletes on girls sports teams. And they have a lot of like sports specific culture that they're working to identify the positive aspects of that and really build those up together. So I like to talk about that as just one example of a way that prevention can be both based in the community and really specific to the community as well. I'm so glad you used that example, Mo. I love athletes as leaders, the program itself. Um, And so, yeah, let's put a plug in for these great, great programs. Um, So, okay, what counts as a community? I I think about a community and that, that word community, and I feel like it's really daunting like, what are we talking about here? Um, a whole city? <laughs> Yikes, that's that's a lot. I remember years ago, I was working with some folks in New York City, and they were trying to figure out, like, how do we um, do prevention work in our city? It's so huge. And 
it was like, yeah, I don't think you can think of the entire city because then you're definitely going to like not have enough time, effort and money to do an entire city. Right. But thinking about community as being more specific than that, um, it can be a lot smaller. In fact, being really specific is good when you're thinking about community level prevention, because then you know more about the community. We have a colleague, um, who has done a keynote for us, um, amazing colleague, Dr. Renee Kennedy. And she talks about um, health disparities and, and, and health inequities and um, violence prevention work. And she has this interesting way of talking about a community that I really love. And the way she says it is community is defined more by relationship than radius. It's defined more by values than locale. And it's defined more by affinities than vicinities. So it's about working in and with a community. These could be things like neighborhoods, or they could be school groups we've mentioned before. They could be civic groups. It could be churches or other religious groups, youth centers. The list goes on and on. I really like the way that she puts this, it makes it seem way more doable. And it also goes back to being community-based and community-specific as well, because we know that just just because we all live in the same town doesn't mean that we all share the same values or care about the same things. And so I like this idea about really getting specific about who who is your community. It's such a good example. So yeah, now that we've talked about all the ways we're using the word community and what it means, let's dig in more to this idea of community level prevention. Um, there's a there's a way that we've been talking about it internally at NSVRC that I really like. It's this idea of stretching to community level prevention. And our coworker Sally even made these great slides where you see people stretching to really think about what, how can we get to this community level prevention. Um, so yeah, the reason why we talk about this and the idea of stretching is because hopefully. Um, doing community level prevention work isn't this radical shift where you're like giving up everything you did before and now you're going to just do community level. Uh, That's not really the focus either, right? Um, We know that the social ecological model exists. It has four levels uh, or five if you're using a, a different model of it. But we know that we're not just supposed to like give up one and focus on the other. Um, we are really trying to help people think like, okay, you've been doing all of this great work at the individual and relationship levels. What can you do to kind of stretch or expand that same idea of prevention work and and get that community level involved in there too? Yeah, it's not just scrapping everything you've done and starting over, right? Um, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I would just like to say, like, please, can we normalize that this is something that a lot of people are struggling with right now, right? Oh, yeah. I have talked with so many people who um, are really reeling from from this idea of a shift. It's a It's a big focus shift. I think it's thinking about affecting an entire community is a big ask. It's a different reach than, you know, wanting to change an individual person's attitudes and behaviors and values. And it is different than like building skills for people in relationships. So yeah, it's definitely a shift, but hopefully it can be a fun shift or a exciting shift. 
I definitely agree with that. Um, and if there's any way to structure your prevention work with flexibility and also this ability to, I think we've been saying this a lot, like pivoting and adapting, um, that's going to be really helpful. I have a great example of where this took place. And um, I absolutely love this program. We have a colleague in Indiana who has done some really amazing community level work. It's called the Sidewalks to Sexual Violence Prevention Program. It's a prevention program that is really unique um, community level, and it focuses on social inclusion for adults with developmental and intellectual disabilities. So this program um, involved groups of stakeholders who worked collaboratively to to develop community-wide solutions to increase inclusion based on some of these barriers that they were finding in um, Bloomington, Indiana, is where this took place. So adults with developmental and intellectual disabilities were part of this group. They worked with these partners and they did what's called participatory social mapping. So before we've talked about like hotspot mapping, very similar. What they did with this mapping is looking at their community, they looked at the physical barriers to inclusion that existed in neighborhoods, public spaces, and also businesses. The data was then used, um, the data they collected was used to prioritize and implement solutions to the barriers. And what those barriers represented and why this has to do with sexual violence is that the barriers that they, that they found, um, things like, um, side, you know, access issues. They couldn't, they had sidewalks that were crumbling or sidewalks that didn't exist or sidewalks that weren't, um, accessible. They had potholes on the roads. They had, uh, bus stops that where there was no covering, um, for bad weather. And we know that like in Indiana, yeah, you can get rain, you can get snow, all of those things. Um, they were looking at some of these physical barriers to getting places and being able to have access to things. So these barriers represented this increased risk for sexual violence and social inclusion and that sense of belonging to a community. We know these are protective factors that can help reduce risks or create a buffer against those risks. Um, and I just want to say we have included a link to this project in the show notes for this episode if you want more information. But I really love this example of how someone had these priorities around working with this particular community to prevent sexual violence, but also understanding that these barriers existed, these barriers need to be needed to be broken down. And they worked with a community to do that. And they worked with these this group of people to do that. And it's really benefiting everyone in the community, right? Yeah, I really like the aspect of bringing humility and learning into it. We don't always know everything about a community. Even if we're part of the community, there's not really a way to know exactly what the community's whole focus for prevention is, is going to be necessarily. So I really like the idea of um, being that kind of facilitator who shares, you know, shares the knowledge that you have and says, hey, here's what I know. Here are some things that we could try together. Um, what do you see as the issues? What do you see as the solutions to um, being able to really deeply listen and hear um, from folks what what prevention really means to them, what they want to focus on. And I think the project that you mentioned does such a great job of that and identifies, you know, sidewalks as an issue that, you know, 
I don't know if I would have figured that out. I don't know if I would have thought about that. But by getting folks out there and having the ability to really go through the community physically and take photos and explore, um, those barriers came right up, right? So I think it's just a great example. Yeah. And I also wanted to just note that we are building the evidence base for this work, right? It's okay to try something. It's also okay to not have it work out. Um, It's a process. We're all learning as we go. We're adjusting. We try something new. And to me, this is kind of a really helpful way to think about it. It takes the pressure off a little bit. It's also an evaluative way of thinking. So, you know, thinking about we try something, we test it out. We see if it works. If it doesn't, we tweak it. We figure out how it might work better. We And it's this, this cyclical kind of way of doing our programming. It's really how we should be doing all of our programming, right? Yeah, I really agree. It's That's kind of the fun thing to me about prevention work is that we get to try things that feel really exciting and new and we get to see if see if it works and we don't necessarily have to get it right the first time. Maybe part of it is right and part of it is something that we could shift and change. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up and I hope that I hope that you all listening <laughs> feel that kind of uh, similar excitement and the freedom to to do that, to adjust and try something new and help build this evidence base. So yeah, if you are thinking about community level prevention, if you're now like wondering if what you're doing is community level prevention, um, I invite you to try our litmus test. So when we're really talking about this, we we like to ask ourselves, does this prevention work benefit the entire community, regardless of whether or not folks are even knowing about the prevention project? So if the answer to that is yes, then good job. I love the litmus test. And also, please feel free to reach out to us with any questions that you have. And also, if you have some ideas of things that you'd like to hear more about, you'd like to hear us talk about, people you might want us to talk to, please let us know that as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resource on the Go. For more resources and information about preventing sexual assault, visit our website at www.nsvrc.org. You can also get in touch with us by emailing resources at nsvrc.org.